0: Welcome to the Losing Weight with Fasting and Mindful Eating podcast. I am your host, Monica Banak, an advanced practice nurse and a weight loss coach. I am so grateful for you taking the time to listen to today's episode. I am so excited to have Stephanie on today. She is someone that I personally have followed from the beginning of my transformation journey back in April 2020, and we have continued to stay in touch through Instagram, and she is kind of a celebrity. (laughs) She's been featured on Dr. Fong's website, Megan Ramos, Dr. Eric Berg's ketogenic.com, the Fasting Lane book, local radio shows She's also been on a few podcast interviews, and recently she was featured in the Women's World magazine by Dr. Fong. That's impressive. (laughs) She's a 42-year-old wife and the mother of a sweet six-year-old boy and a wild, wild four-year-old girl. She lives near the ocean on the east coast of Canada in St. John. She's lived there most of her life, except three years. She lived in Honduras right after college. She is a brilliant lady, not only graduated in top of her class, but she's had full academic scholarships, dean's list, and she has a bachelor's degree in a double major in Spanish and religious studies. She's also proficient in music coming from a musical family, and she plays piano, keyboard, drums, and some guitar. Her story is so inspiring, and I hope that it brings value to you guys. If you enjoy it, please share it with others that might also benefit from it. And if you get a moment, please take a minute to review my podcast on Apple Podcasts. It makes a huge difference to spread the word. And before we get started, as always, a quick disclaimer, everything we discuss here is based on our personal knowledge and experience. None of this is medical advice. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. So always seek the advice of your physician with any questions that you may have. Hi Stephanie, so happy to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. Honored to be invited. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. First question: this is gonna be amazing because you have so much experience, and your your whole story is so inspiring. You are like like I mentioned in the introduction, you are a little celebrity. Not little, (laughs) you're a big celebrity. I mean, Dr. (laughs) Fongs. like world's women's world's magazine. Like you've been, you've been, you've been around the block. So tell us for those who don't know your story, like, tell us your story. How did you get started with fasting?
1: So fasting it's actually pretty funny. I think there was a question that somebody had asked you and I didn't answer it in writing to you. So we could talk about this, but for me, the longest fast I ever did. And when I got started with fasting was actually through a church context, And back in the nineties, a lot of women from a local church Mm -hmm. felt inspired to fast and pray for 40 days. And I was just a teenager heading to work at a summer camp and decided I really felt I wanted to do that also. And I actually had the support of my family doctor at the time and I made it 25 days. (laughs) And so it was, it was a religious context. Yeah. And anyway, you know, I didn't really know a whole lot then. But there was sort of these little small concepts of, you know, fasting one day here and there just to observe Easter, for example. So fasting Mm -hmm. has sort of always been something I've been aware of, but never in the context of metabolic health, weight loss, just health in general. I didn't think of it that way until a few years ago when I stumbled upon Brad I don't know if it's pylon or pylon. Oh, yeah. Yes. I know who you're talking. about. Yeah. And I read his book, eat, stop, eat. And so this was in 2012, 13. My husband and I were kind of eating paleo without realizing that's what we were doing. Because I was going through the diagnostic process of finding out if I had trouble with dairy, or gluten, Mm. or both. So we stumbled into paleo type recipes. And then we started doing one 24 hour fast a week, eat, stop, eat. So from Saturday after supper through Sunday after supper, and it was really awesome. But then pregnancies and life and so many things happened. It just kind of fell by the wayside. And I also hadn't really learned a whole lot about it until my keto and fasting and fitness journey began three years ago. And then it happened naturally. Intermittent fasting happened naturally because I was never a breakfast person. And then it's kind of steamrolled from there. And then I stumbled upon Jason Fung and the fasting method and Diet Doctor, and started just learning so much about the the impressive impact internally mm-hmm. with fasting and how it accompanied a proper diet. And it just so, sort what of-
0: made you three years ago? What made you decide to get back into fasting or like starting the lifestyle, the ketogenic and fasting?
1: I was in agony. I had lost so much mobility after my second birth pregnancy. And so from about when Phoebe was born in the spring of 2016, right through until the fall of 2017, I mean, I was so inflamed, so obese, could not get my own socks on, shoes on. Mm. And then I had blood clots, and I had to wear medical compression socks, which I could not get on without help. They required rubber gloves try picturing yeah. a 48 year old man putting rubber gloves on and putting socks on his wife, it just was horrible. And I knew that it had to be what I was eating. Mm-hmm. And so like I said, I was never really a breakfast person. So it was accidental, really mm-hmm. eating keto was accidental at first. And fasting was accidental at first. And it wasn't until I was learning through Diet Doctor and through Jason Fung and through Dr. Ken Berry and just so many people, I started to realize that what I was doing was not simply skipping breakfast. Mm -hmm. It was time-restricted eating. It was intermittent fasting. It was fasting. And it it felt good. And letting go of the stigma behind, well, you should never skip breakfast. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day, (laughs) which if you've done any research, you realize started with the Kellogg's family and was all propaganda. And so it just happened so naturally and comfortably in a pursuit to fix mobility issues, the weight started to come off, the inflammation was going down, my mobility was coming back, I didn't need to eat as frequently. And it just kept building upon these successes, but they felt good. So it was never about punishment or depriving myself at all. It just, it felt good. So I kept pushing into it.
0: That's amazing. So 25 days was your longest fast. That's when it started. Or did you do a longer one after, you know, this last? No, that
1: was the longest one. That was actually in 1997.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) Your husband do it with you as well. You you mentioned that he's also he's done fasting as well, or
1: he sticks more so to either an 18 and six intermittent Mm -hmm. fasting window, or an OMAD one meal a day sometimes taking a full 24 hour eating day off. He works nights. So he doesn't eat until evening before he goes and he eats Mm -hmm. once at work. So he tries to stick to two meals in a six hour window. And he's going to try pushing in a little bit more to a day off a week going forward and Mm -hmm. see how he does. I can't make him do that. I can't make anybody fast. For me, I love it.
0: But it's still, it's great that he understands the lifestyle. He supports you. He's done it before. So it's good to have that support system because there's still so much stigma out there with fasting. Like, oh my gosh, you're starving yourself. No. Oh my gosh. I've heard it all. You
1: you (laughs) name it. I've heard it all.
0: Yeah. And I mean, listen, I was one of those people too. It's like, oh gosh, you know, you have to eat every three hours. And like coming from a bodybuilding world, fitness world, I was a personal trainer You know, every three hours and I had an alarm set on my phone. And going from eating all day long, stimulating your insulin levels all day to like not eating was like unimaginable, like crazy. So but I don't know about you.
1: I found once it became a comfortable habit, it just isn't incredibly liberating. Oh yeah. And I find there's what I try to explain to people. And it's a hard thing to explain until you have felt it yourself. Mm -hmm. There is a difference between being hungry versus being empty. Mm -hmm. I enjoy the empty feeling. I don't think anybody enjoys feeling hunger, but I enjoy that empty feeling when you've surpassed the hunger wave, Mm -hmm. you ride it out and then you just feel level and sane. And my husband said the other day, He said, I'm so glad to see you back on track with the fasting, he said, because there's a lightness about you in your step in your eyes, in your face, in Mm -hmm. your skin, I I can tell you feel good when you're fasting.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. And a lot of people aren't able to distinguish that hunger, that mental hunger, with like actual physical hunger, most of the Mm -hmm. times that hunger is not physical hunger. It is the mental. It's just the habits that we create of like, oh my gosh, it's noon. It's lunchtime. Yeah. I'm hangry. Hangry right. is not hunger. It's an emotion. Right. Hangry. So, yes, it's amazing. And it's hard. You know, I don't try to push it on people ever. No. I send them to my Instagram. It's like, look through my journey. And people have to discover themselves. You can't push it on them. I've never been one of those people that anyone can push anything on me but i do research <laughs> <laughs> but i love researching and that's how it me happened too. with fasting i started researching i'm like wow this is interesting this is not just weight loss the health right. benefits are what actually drew me to fasting it wasn't just the losing weight which that's an amazing benefit of course so it's awesome and i think fasting is getting more popular it's just like when keto first started And people are like, oh my gosh, you're gonna go into keto acidosis. And I'm like, Oh "Oh, no, (laughs) keto acidosis is not keto. It's just it's so, but now, you know, three years later when I started keto, now keto has blown out of control. And I feel and I hope that fasting will also kind of get out there. Again, there's no money in fasting, but I thought there was no money in keto either. But they made they made a way to make it you know, they did. Yeah. Yes.
1: But they do find a way to make money through fasting too, because mm-hmm. they try to convince you to buy pre-packaged supplements and pre-packaged everything True. or, yeah. you know, multi-level marketing companies try to sell exogenous yeah. ketones as a fasting protocol. So yeah. you know, you give anybody an idea, they'll find a way to make money on it.
0: Which what are you though, thoughts? Realistically
1: keto is free and fasting oh. is free. It's literally the opposite of eating.
0: Yeah. What are your thoughts on ketogenic supplements, like the keto, the ketones, ketones? Yes.
1: I have mixed feelings and mixed thoughts on them. I've never used them myself. So I could never speak on how they make me feel or what they do for me. I know that you hear some professionals talk about them having their place Mm -hmm. and being beneficial for some people, like maybe people with Alzheimer's, dementia, or maybe somebody with, you know, autism spectrum, or attention deficit, like, my understanding is they have their place. Yeah. As for the bulk of the people who seek out a ketogenic diet, most of which people are unhealthy, obese, or insulin resistant, I don't think they're necessary. I think you're basically spending money to have very expensive urine, (laughs) unfortunately the route to get most of them are either multi-level marketing companies so you're padding people's pockets Mm -hmm. or supplements that are mass-produced in stores also you'll often find have a lot of extra fillers which are really not going to benefit you either so it's one of those things where i i don't judge or get angry at people who use them if they make people feel good some people say it's a good pre-workout that's fine it's up to them i don't think they're necessary for 99% of the population.
0: Yeah, I agree. Agree. Your before and after pictures are amazing. Like I'm still blown away every time I look at it. And you're, like I mentioned in the intro, you were somebody I started following when I started my journey back in April, 2020. And we kind of kept in touch throughout this whole time, which I appreciate. I love getting to know you as a friend. And so in 2017, you were 330 pounds. Is that right? That is sadly true. (laughs) Okay. And- How much have you lost to this day?
1: Right now, I'm up a little bit. I had two years in a row of major surgeries, which Mm -hmm. you working in anesthesia know that major surgeries really disrupt your endocrine system. They disrupt your body. Yes. So there was some regain that happened between two years in a row of surgeries and COVID and, you you know, you name it. Initially, I had lost 150, 160 pounds. I in gained some year, back right?
0: in one, in one year, in right?
1: exactly one year, I lost 150. That's amazing. Then I went completely dairy free and did a keto whole 30 mm-hmm. before the two surgeries. So I reached my lowest, but it wasn't a place I felt could be maintained So, right now, I am currently still 25 pounds up from where I need to go back down to. And that has been since surgery one year ago. So, as of this morning, it's my one month mark of being back on track. And I'm down 21.4 of the regain. So, that's really encouraging. And it's nice to know that my body's responding the second time around. (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: awesome. (laughs) And again, like you said, you know, surgeries sometimes you have to give yourself a break when you fat, when you're ready in a stress situation, such as surgery or whatever else is going in your life, fasting can actually not be beneficial for you. True. I mean,
1: if your adrenals and your stress levels are.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, there would be days and months, even over the past year where my mind was saying, dude, it's time to fast. But my body just kept saying, Nope, not yet. You
0: have to be ready. And you know when you're ready. And I've done that too. Like the last Mm -hmm. couple of months, I've been kind of on and off. But you just, you know, when you're ready, you just, you know it.
1: And for anyone listening who's gone through similar to me, meaning if you've gained any in the last year, even just related to COVID and stress, you're not alone. And I see countless people almost ashamed posting about their regain and feeling really crappy about themselves. And let me tell you, like we just said about stress, it has been such a stressful time. Like if It's so stressful. And I know for myself and for many, many people, this past year proved to be so hard for things like financial distress you know I had surgery my son has surgery my daughter broke her arm my mother broke her leg my marriage almost fell apart my husband's mental health reached an all-time low like there's just so many things and I know that's not just me everyone's plate got a little bit heavier in the last year and so if only one thing at a time can go off your plate it's okay. It's not a race. And we're in recovery mode right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm right there with you. And I may have had major successes, magazine front cover worthy, but it doesn't mean that I have it all figured out and never fumble. I fumble as much, if not more than the next person.
0: I'm so glad that you mentioned that. And because I do see that a lot, that guilt that comes with yeah. like regaining weight. People just like they want to hide. They feel so guilty. They beat themselves up and it's okay. You're just human. The best Mm -hmm. thing about it is, you know, because you know it, you know how to do it. You've done it before and you can do it again. You just have to be ready. Sometimes you just have to give yourself a break. I'm not saying like, just forget about everything and gain 150 pounds back, but 10, 20 pounds. It happens. It happens. It does.
1: We need to get out of the mentality that weight loss has a deadline. Yeah. This is not a deadline based Mm -hmm. assignment. We're not in 11th grade and this is not a history assignment that we're going to be graded on. This is our life. And what I do right now is not what I did in 2017. And it's not going to be what I do once I reach maintenance again. We have to always be willing to adapt and evolve and flow with the circumstances because they will keep changing and life will keep throwing curveballs some good, some bad, some disastrous, just like you can overcome it.
0: Yeah. Readjust refocus and then just keep going. It's it is okay. Don't be hard on yourself.
1: Exactly.
0: What have been your biggest changes that you've noticed from your health perspective, like your blood pressure? Like I, can you speak on that a little bit? Like what? Definitely. What has fasting done to improve your health overall? Because not just weight, obviously, losing that much weight makes a huge difference. But there's, yeah, speak about that because I love it. So I had a lot of health issues. And actually, I had two
1: particular health issues that I had since infancy. I was born with some serious stomach issues. And we didn't know until I was in middle school. No doctors really were in tune with any of it. But basically the comments were just that bowel issues ran in the family. Oh, you have irritable bowel and stomach issues. They later determined that was reflux. Mm -hmm. So my childhood involved probably five out of seven nights per week or days, at least five out of seven days, meaning 24 hour period. Mm -hmm. I threw up. If I bent over to tie my shoes, I threw up. If we were camping and I was sleeping flat on the ground and not with an elevated bed, I'd open the tent and throw up. I had so many issues. I would wake up in the night with irritable bowel symptoms. In third grade, I was hospitalized. They, It was inconclusive. I actually found my medical records from then. It was 1989. And in the notes, there were questions about, had the parent tried dairy-free? And the mother said, yes. But she didn't know what dairy-free meant. We talked about it recently. So they probably just didn't give me milk but they didn't know what other dairy to give away the, some of the blood work. Now I looked at it from 1989, if they had done that blood work now, they would probably been flagged for celiac, which I didn't know I had until I was in my (laughs) thirties. So, you know, chronic vomiting, chronic irritable bowel, chronic stomach problems medicated for almost life on H2 blockers. So stomach meds, proton pump inhibitors and acids, every holiday was miserable. I had chest pains from, from reflux. I had almost all my teeth have had fillings because of enamel issues from the acid vomiting and chronic like mega chronic antibiotics, which they now realize that chronic ear infections was all related to the upper respiratory issues that I have as a result of the celiac. So all these things that could have been avoided and that's just talking like from infancy through, Junior high school, mm. you know, constant issues with my stomach and my bowels. And then, as a result of those things, you know, more chronic inflammatory issues happened acute rheumatoid arthritis, chronic sinus issues, polyps in my nasal passage, sinus surgery, had a tumor in my face that had to be removed,
0: oh I ended up with goodness. blood
1: clots. I had to be on blood thinners. And so, all these things, and it's like, it's just, gone. Mm. You know, I used to think every Christmas that I would have heartburn for three days because my mom put curry on the turkey. (laughs) And now I know that it was never the curry. It was the chocolate and the pop tarts and the white potatoes and the white bread and the margarine and, 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 and and all these things that as somebody who is lactose intolerant and celiac, Mm could not tolerate eating. And so, you know, I no longer take antacids either over the counter or prescription. I can't tell you the last time I had bowel trouble. My blood pressure is fine. It used to be always borderline high. My A1C went from pre-diabetic to
0: 4.4. Wow, that's lower than mine. Mine is like (laughs) 5.1.
1: My family doctor has an amazing bellowing laugh. And when I said, oh, what's my A1C? He laughed so hard out loud because he couldn't believe it. It was just so low. My cholesterol normalized. I was able to get off of blood thinners. I used to be able to not function without taking birth control pills, not for birth control. My husband is fixed. Thank you, God. <laughs> <laughs> but I had terrible problems with ovulation, terrible problems with my period. And I was on birth control pills for 20 years out of my 42 years.
0: Same, same here. Yeah, yeah.
1: And the issues I was having that required me to be on it, which is why I also had to stay on my blood thinners resolved. So wow. like since 2018, everything except the blood thinner was gone. And then this past year I eliminated the blood thinner because there was no reason
0: to still be on it. So how many total medications is that? I think,
1: I think when I started, there <laughs> were seven
0: and they're all gone. That's amazing. all of them. And of Literally, course you... I take nothing. And of course you did all of this under medical supervision. You did not. Yeah, My doctor. Oh, yes. yes. Yep. Oh, yeah. So no, you can just uh, like fast it. and get off of your blood pressure medicine because your blood pressure is getting better. You always obviously always check, you know, have your doctor follow up because that's a huge thing too. As you start to lose weight, there are certain medications out there like mm-hmm. diabetes, blood pressure. Yes, your thigh
1: skewed. You yes. have All to those adjust Things them. have
0: to get adjusted because mm-hmm. you're gonna your blood pressure is gonna drop, your blood sugar is yeah. gonna improve. So it's really super important. I know there's a lot of people out there, they're like, yeah, they just fast whenever, but you have to, it's so important to follow up with your doctor, find somebody that understands what you're doing. That's yes. not like, oh my gosh, don't do it. You're you're starving yourself. Find somebody
1: And they that- don't even have to agree. Something I exactly. something I learned. People yes. are afraid of their doctors, but they work for us. Yes. And something I've learned is that I can say to my doctor, here's what I'm doing. Here's my approach. Here's what I'm taking. Here's what I'm not taking. He doesn't have to condone it, agree, approve. I don't need a gold sticker. He just needs to be aware yeah. medically because if I had a symptom, he needs to know the facts about what I'm doing. Yeah. Here's a minor example of two people need to go get their baseline blood work done. And although yeah. this is nothing critical, I know a lot of people are quick to say, oh, take a B12, take a B12 supplement. I was taking one because I thought I should. I thought I needed one. When I had my labs drawn within the first year, I can't remember what the range is, but say it was between six and 900. I don't know. Mm -hmm. When I got my B12 back, I was so far above the 900. He just said, don't take that Mm. because you don't need it. And so, you know, people are so confused with supplements and they're so quick to say, oh, just take it. Mm. Well, My mother is on a diuretic, a fluid pill. She has to supplement potassium a certain way because Mm. of her kidneys, because of her medications. I can't go take the same potassium pill she takes. And people are so quick to say, oh, well, they say with keto and fasting, you should take XYZ. Mm -hmm. But you really should always have baseline labs drawn
0: because you don't know. You could be overdoing something. Exactly. Everyone is individual. No one is a lark. You always... And, you know, having those baseline labs, is amazing. I did that myself. It was awesome to see how much things have changed in your body, like vitamin. Like even your liver or your electrolytes. Your liver, your kidneys, your absolutely, your electrolytes. I mean,
1: I was anemic before I started eating properly, anemic. And now my hemoglobin and complete blood count, everything is
0: so good. But I was severely anemic. So, yes get your labs done. They don't cost that much. You can get them done.
1: Well, no. And speaking from me in Canada, that's part of what our Medicare covers. Yeah. That's awesome. So If you're Canadian, there's really no excuse with the exception of whatever they are limited to by the province to ask for. Cause I have learned that there's some things that you can get done in the States that we can't, they Mm -hmm. just, it's like, it just doesn't exist here.
0: Yeah. And really, I mean, if you have a doctor, he probably should do a baseline. You know, if you're starting something, you get a yearly well visit, We mm-hmm. have insurance, hopefully, and that's just important. And don't just listen to people, like, make sure you're doing it right. Because there's so much out there, you have this person saying this, that person saying, it. don't just take something because somebody says to take exactly. it, or they have taken it because they had issues with it. Everyone is different. And Sometimes you could be doing more harm than good if you follow whatever everyone else is doing. What fasting protocol are you following? Are you, your diet, you mentioned ketogenic, like what is your preferred diet that you follow right now?
1: I seem to fall somewhere around what some would call ketovore. I'm definitely not carnivore and I don't know that I ever would be. I do like things like cabbage and I like nutritional yeast And there are certain things that would just sort of exclude me from being a true carnivore. And I'm totally fine with that. However, I'm also not into like seven to 10 cups of veggies a day. I don't have space in my stomach for that. (laughs) Literally, literally, I physically cannot ingest what some people think you should have. So on a normal day, just over the last three years, in general, I always would fall somewhere in the lines of one or two meals a day, no snacks coffee, and at least 16 or 18 hours fasted with about a six hour eating window. Most recently, I've been doing what I had been wanting to do for months Mm -hmm. and had a mental block against. I've been trying basically rolling 72s with a one hour maximum refeed window. And what I've been noticing with that is that my urges to binge are almost non-existent. My cravings are almost non-existent. Mm -hmm. I'm able to eat appropriately and even include something like a piece of Lily's dark chocolate in my eating window because I know that once the eating window is closed, I'm done. I know that nobody's holding a gun to my head saying thou must not eat later, but I'm trying to have that discipline of multiple short fasts. So either 48 or 72 continually until I can master the art of being consistent. So for example, today... I was approaching the 72 hour mark and my body felt good. I felt level. And I said, I really don't feel like I need to eat. But I said, Stephanie, nobody's going to give you a sticker for going 96 hours instead of 72. Mm -hmm. Eat your refeed meal, because you need it, because your body will appreciate it because it's building blocks through the protein. And because it's strength day at the gym, and that's the appropriate thing and timing. Mm -hmm. And then jump into another one and life will go on. My body will thank me, I feel like my body's responding better to repeatedly doing shorter fasts Mm -hmm. than it did when I was doing seven days.
0: And, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that, actually, because I feel like sometimes people feel like the longer you go, the better is fasting. Once you get into fasting, fasting is easy. The hard part is the refeeds. It's so true. Controlling those binges. You know, I went through that my first year is I did binging, fasting long, binging, then feeling like crap yeah. because I binge. So I fast even longer doing shorter fast, especially if you have issues with just binge eating everything outside. you should do a shorter fast and keep them to within an hour. That's kind of what I did because that prevented me from going and snacking. Like yes. I knew, okay, this is that hour. I can have my refeed after this, after this one hour is done I got to go back to fasting. And that really mentally, that was really helpful to me. And And so what
1: I've kind of, this is my first full week of January, obviously, all of us. But what I kind of mapped out, so to speak, I got back on track on December 7th. And I've been doing, you know, again, like some some 24-hour fast, Mm -hmm. some 48 and some 72 since December 7th. But what I decided I would try starting this week that we're in, Was that Monday would be an eating day, but Monday is also a strength day, like a heavy lifting day at the gym. Mm -hmm. And I thought how appropriate to make sure I'm having a really good amount of protein and fat on a lifting day. And then I wanted to do at least, at least one 72 hour fast per week. So it seemed reasonable that the next heavy lifting day was a Thursday. How perfect. Mm-hmm. And I like to try to put around three or four hours between a meal and lifting. So if I go to the gym at four thirty, I aim to eat around 1230. It's perfect. And from wow. Monday lifting day through Thursday lifting day is a 72 hour fast. And then I said, it fluctuates, which day on the weekend, my husband is off. And we do try to eat at least once a week together, which sounds crazy to some, I know, but he works nights. So I said, if from Thursday to Saturday, I did 48. That's perfect. And from Saturday to Monday again is another 48. Or after my lifting day Thursday, do a, a second 72-hour fast through Sunday dinner with my family. And then the next, it's just a 24-hour period until my Monday plan starts again. And I and so far, it feels good because Wednesday is a cardio day at the gym. And I've learned my lesson that a refeed day and a cardio day, I don't do well. I feel like I'm going to vomit. I see stars. It's just, it doesn't work for me. So I'll stick to a fasted
0: cardio day and fed weightlifting days. You have to fit in fasting with your lifestyle. Like you said, you do think certain way to fit in your lifestyle. If you don't, you're gonna give up. You're gonna get frustrated. You know, if you eat dinner with your husband, you know, every night at six. Don't refeed at noon and then watch your husband eat. That's important in your life and fit you it in. You don't want to and make yourself crazy. Yes. And that's the thing about fasting. You can fit it in. It's so easy. Yeah. I fat I love fasting when I work 24-hour shifts like today. Because I a I don't have to bring food, I don't have to think mm. about food, I don't bring it to work with me. And I don't have to worry about, am I going to have time to eat if I'm busy at work or stress about it, which I never stress about it, but it's, right. it fits into my lifestyle. And that's what I do when I work 24 hour shifts. Almost always I try to fast because it just makes it so easy. It's almost like, whoosh, I don't have to worry, about. I look forward it's to liberating. it. It's liberating. Yes, liberating. And to liberating.
1: When, when people talk, you hear the catch, you hear catchphrases here and there, and you hear people talk about food freedom. For me, mm-hmm. fasting means food freedom, mm-hmm. because if there's something that maybe is a little more carb heavy, and I'm just talking vegetables than what I might eat day to day, but knowing that I'm fasting for 72 hours, I'll allow for that and then close the window and move on. And there's no guilt. Mm-hmm. It's And yeah. it just, it feels good. The other thing for me in talking about freedom and feeling liberated, I am celiac and it's severe. And so circumstances in the past that used to stress me out a lot were community meals, community gatherings, church potlucks, things like that, because it was always stressful. What am I going to eat? And you would always have the people and they meant well would say, Oh, that's gluten-free. I made that because I knew you were coming. But the beauty of fasting is that I don't even need to worry about, oh my goodness, what am I going to eat at this community meal? Although with COVID, we're not even allowed to have community meals, but it just, for me, it's freedom. And people are like, yeah, but people are going to notice, or what are they, what are you going to say? If they ask, why aren't you eating? I guarantee 99% <laughs> of the time, nobody is aware that you are not eating. Yeah. Nobody. Or, or
0: you just say I already ate, thank you. Or yeah. Or you just have people some. are so worried yeah.
1: about yeah. people thinking they're weird for not eating. When I did my 25 day fast in 1997, I remember sitting at a table at a restaurant with all of my staff members and not eating and no one cared.
0: Nobody cares. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. just it. When you realize that either people don't notice or they don't care or it doesn't matter. It's so freeing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, speaking of long fast, oh my gosh, I just found out, I posted this on my Instagram. I, I saw you reposted the guy, the longest world record of yes. fasting was 367 days, I think, or 68 yeah. days. And he lost like 267 pounds. It was incredible. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm sometimes I struggle through like a three-day fast. And I'm like, that's what it takes sometimes. This guy went and decided I'm getting healthy it it was amazing. It blew my mind kind of. I was like, Oh my gosh, That's the human
1: body is remarkable. Yeah. And you know, one of the, one of the number one comments people will make about fasting. Well, except for the fact they say you're starving yourself. (laughs) But one of the most common comments I hear is people will say, Oh, you're going to burn. You're going to lose muscle. Yeah, You're going to lose muscle. And I love how Dr. Jason Fung says, you know, when you run out of firewood, you're not going to toss your sofa into the furnace because you're not that stupid. Well, likewise, our body is not that stupid. Yeah. It's not going to start burning your muscles up. Otherwise, we all be a bunch of jellyfish laying on the ground starving.
0: Yes. Yes. I 100% agree. Your body gonna, is going to go with the fuel source next available, which is usually f- your glycogen first, mm-hmm. burns your glycogen. When that's gone, it goes into fat.
1: I mean, unless your body fat percentage is getting down to like six,
0: five,
1: 4%, you have fat to burn, you're not going to wither up and die. Mm. People are so afraid of it.
0: Yeah, I agree. This brings me to my next question, because this is an interesting one. And people always ask me this, what has been the most challenging part of fasting for you?
1: Honestly, we already sort of touched on it, but for me the hardest part is breaking the fast. I'm getting much better at it even just in the last month because fasting's not hard, I don't think. Once you do it, it's not hard. It's simple. Um, yeah. In the beginning, mm-hmm. after approximately 24 hours, from about the 24-hour mark to about the 48-hour mark, I say that's sort of my wall. I might hit a wall my biggest hunger waves come after that, as long as I'm hydrated and my electrolytes are balanced, I feel good. I know when my electrolytes are not balanced, like little, little things like maybe a minor headache Mm -hmm. or a wave of hunger, or one symptom for me that happens that tells me go drink some electrolytes is if I'm in the bathtub and I'm heated and I stand up, and see stars and that blackout feeling starts to happen. And I grab the side of the tub to me that says my potassium and or my sodium mm-hmm. are off. And I need to go do something about that outside of that. I don't find fasting difficult. It literally is as simplistic as it sounds. Just don't eat. Mm-hmm. The hardest part is breaking your fast without making yourself feel nauseated and not going overboard, I do struggle sometimes still now, with that whole, my eyes are bigger than my belly. Yeah, (laughs) I I set a serving of food out thinking that's not excessive. This is a great refeed. And then halfway through, I'm like sweating going, I can't do this. I can't even finish today. I couldn't finish.
0: What is your typical refeed? Can you touch on that? Because that was another question that somebody asked on the Instagram question post, do you start? Oh, yeah, I did see that
1: question. Yeah. Do you start off
0: like bone broth? And I do
1: I'm actually I am not nor have I ever been someone who believes I need to break it with just broth and then move on. I know some people do your digestive system can be a little strange. I know there's also mixed reviews about eggs. For some people, eggs are inflammatory and give a strange reaction. For some people, it's really just the egg whites. For me, I do find a combination of either just eggs, so maybe boiled eggs and butter, Mm -hmm. or bone broth with eggs, egg drop soup, or like I had today, ground beef, Mm -hmm. eggs and broth. So I do quite meat based protein and fat for my refeeds. The other day, I did have cabbage and beef sauteed together. But I would say more often than not, it involves eggs and or eggs and broth. And the only thing that I've done that was disastrous that I would recommend everyone avoid is don't go to Wendy's to break a fast. (laughs)
0: Don't eat junk
1: food, basically. Uh, Yeah, basically, that's not fun. (laughs) But I I do find eggs are not a problem for me. So more often than not is eggs in some context. Things like cucumbers or salads, things that have lots of water content and don't be afraid of that <laughs> initial visit to the bathroom after fasting and breaking it.
0: It's not especially people at panic. the beginning. Yeah, especially at the beginning. They're like, oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: Like like I almost I almost had disaster <laughs>
0: pants and I'm like,
1: it's really not a big deal. Just go to the bathroom, yeah. you're fine,
0: you're fine. I mean, it's it's like your your digestive system starts to work again and like yeah. things just kind of... So I do, I almost always, if I'm doing a longer fast, like a 72 hour fast, almost always drink my bone broth first, put some salt right. in there. And then like a protein, a little bit of veggies or fat, avocado, always love avocado. And I try to eat veggies like last because what I found is that... I'll start off with like a lot of veggies and then I get so full and I can't then you don't eat get your the protein, protein in. in. And I'm like, yes, oh, I need the protein first. Yeah. The, the good fat, good protein, and then the veggies last. And I do love that. Yeah. So I just
1: on my Facebook page, which is the same username as my Instagram page, Um, Two years ago, actually, I pinned a post on my page. And I just reshared it. And I said, you know, I know I posted this two years ago, but it holds true. And I just basically summarized what I think. And I said, here's keto and fasting, you know, I said, pick your protein, stop fearing protein, because there's a lot of myths about gluconeogenesis and overdoing your protein. I said, pick your protein and stop fearing it. Number two, pick a vegetable, stop fearing the carbs that are with Low carb vegetables, unless you're carnivore, obviously don't. Mm -hmm. And three, use fat for flavor and for satiety. And then that's it. Just repeat that. It's so time restricted. (laughs) But it doesn't have to be complicated. But I think the thing that people forget is that they'll get off track and hear you need seven to 10 cups of vegetables a day. Mm-hmm. And they try to fill up, like you said, on the veggies first because they think it's good and they, need, they think they need the fiber and they think mm-hmm. they need the vegetables, but then they don't have room for their protein. And then they start to experience hair loss and muscle fatigue mm-hmm. and they're losing body weight and not body fat. And so if you always start with any diet approach and prioritize your protein, mm-hmm. you should be in the sweet spot with nutrition.
0: Absolutely. Even if you're vegan, I actually have, yes. believe it or not, I have like five clients who are vegan. And yeah. uh, so I had to do a lot of research on this. And I tell them, start yeah. with the protein. Like you can do yeah. edamame, you can do tofu. Exactly. There's, so- there's
1: plant based proteins, but yeah. they still need to prioritize it with an appropriate fat. Yes. You know, like one of my coaches at the gym is an Iron Man, and she's a vegan. And I'm telling you, she's like a pixie size. But her muscle mass and her physique, she would kick your ass and 1000% vegan. And she views food as fuel. It's not planning, constantly chasing down that next meal. She Mm -hmm. eats to fuel her body. She's vegan. I don't eat the same as her. It doesn't matter. But that's just it. She prioritizes her protein and fat and works hard and you can see it. And so am I vegan? No, would I ever be? Yeah. No. But if you're vegan, and you're listening to this fasting and protein focused vegan, that's the thing you got to focus on the protein, yeah. not Oreos.
0: Yeah, and it can be it can be done with any diet approach, keto, carnivore, vegan, that's the thing with fasting, you can incorporate it with any whatever diet you're following, you just got to do it's your like own a research. secret key. Yes. I agree. I love it. What advice would you give someone that's unsure about fasting? They still think it's starvation or they're just confused. They don't know. You know, obviously I would tell them to go follow you and me and listen to our podcast. But what specific advice would you give someone starting off with confusion and being unsure about it?
1: Honestly, like some of the things I have told people and I would I would continue to suggest because ultimately, people need to make their own decisions. But what I would suggest is, if you've never done longer than an 18-hour fasted day, for example, and you're scared of what that would feel like to go 24 hours, then I would suggest pick a day where you don't feel like it's a stressful work day or a stressful day with your kids. Pick a day where you can lay around the house if you need to. If you really th- if you if you're afraid you're not going to have energy or you're not going to feel good, pick a day that you think you're gonna not have anywhere else to go and try fasting that day worst case scenario you eat or start with a 24 hour fast but instead of thinking of as oh my gosh i don't i'm not allowed to eat at all this day Mm -hmm. do your 24 hour fast from after supper until the next day at supper. And then boom, you've done a 24 hour fast. And then once they've done that, they come back to me and say, Oh my gosh, I've just done my first 24 hour fast. Now I want to go further. I say, great. So Saturday you had supper, you felt great. And you did it last weekend. You made it all the way to supper time Sunday, Sunday night rolls around instead of eating, grab a sparkling water, go watch a movie and curl up in your jammies and go to bed. Boom. Next morning, you've just done a 36 hour fast. And so it's just, it's a muscle that you can build. And so build on the fasting muscle. Next thing you know, you've done a 72 hour fast and all of a sudden you realize number one, it's not scary. Number two, I didn't starve. Number three, I actually felt good. Number four, I lost a couple of pounds. (laughs) And number five, I feel rejuvenated. I feel good. Yes. So it's basically, you know, take it in baby steps. Same with keto. Mm -hmm. When people start keto, it's like, Eat from sun up to sundown if you need to. Keep it low carb. The next day, cut out a snack. The next day, cut out a snack.
0: And, next and thing you know, you're eating it. one meal. This should no. not be forced. You have to be ready. Yeah. Like mentally, you know, fasting is such a mental it's so mental.
1: And yes, it or does. if you're on medication, I mean, some people genuinely cannot can't go yeah. 24 hours without eating because they have to take medication that requires something in their stomach.
0: Absolutely.
1: So yeah. there you have to be reasonable. Some people will say to me, I really, really want to be able to do that. However, I take XYZ and it's like, that's not your fault that you're on certain medications. Some, yes, you can work to come off some you're on for whatever condition you have. And that's a fact. So work around it and strengthen your intermittent fasting muscle.
0: Yeah. Adjust based on your lifestyle on whatever's going on in your life. However, (laughs) as the saying goes, it's a marathon.
1: It's not a sprint. And so we all, myself included, I'm, I've been working on the mental barrier of trying to get away from, I'm going to fast for 30 days. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said earlier, this is not deadline based. We have all the time in our lives. To work on this and to continue to feel better, we don't need to fast until we're miserable and lying on the floor like a jellyfish.
0: And and also another thing is, you know, it's like you said, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. You have to think of it as a lifestyle. This is not a fasting. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. It's something that you can incorporate any time of your life. Like before Christmas, Mm -hmm. I did a three-day fast because I knew I'm going to eat bad over Christmas. And then I did OMAD for the remaining of the year. And like right now I'm training for a show. So I can't fast long because my coach has me do a lot of weightlifting. And clearly you don't want to fast when you're lifting lifting weights and building muscle.
1: Right.
0: But she's open to me fasting 24 or longer when I'm off on my off days. So it does, you have to adjust it based on what's going on, your goals, what your goals are. And it's not a cookie cutter approach for
1: sure. Well, and I know in the summer, here's one example of how I screwed up and how somebody else could easily fall in my footsteps and screw up. I decided I was going to fast a long time. And I think you recall because in the ladies snake diet. Oh yeah. We talked about,
0: girl. we talked cause you were camping. Camping. Right? Yeah. And,
1: and, you- and I, I got cocky and I decided, oh, instead of figuring out what to pack for camping, I'll just go from this seven day challenge into this five day challenge and I'll just keep. And so I went camping. Well, the thing is my husband and I, I did mention earlier, you know, our marriage almost ended this past year. We're working through counseling. Things are going better. But last summer when we were camping and I was fasted. So in a fasted state, you have the potential to have your adrenals and cortisol levels skewed. He and I had a very uncomfortable situation while we were camping and he walked away from me and the kids on the beach. And so I was at a very heightened emotional state, plus camping, plus there were eight kids, plus, plus, plus sleeping on the ground, all these things. And I came home from camping and we went to a market and I took a taste of an artificially sweetened loaf and and I was done. I was done. And it's almost like it created an avalanche And so from my two month mark of doing snake juice for fasting and doing really, really well, I fasted, in my opinion, too long. And on day 12, I broke my fast and then lost absolute control. I could not possibly have lost more control than I did towards the end of July. And then that became August. And then that became, you know, and it's just. One thing led into another. And I know if I had kept my arrogance in check about, woohoo, I can fast this long. If I had been more reasonable about my approach, I probably would have had the fight on the beach with my husband anyway. Mm -hmm. But I may have then gone and eaten a meal that we packed and gone to bed, fed, and then dealt with it the next day. Instead, I had no reserves. Emotionally, mentally, physically, I was toast. So, you know, don't do what Stephanie did last summer. Sometimes more is not not better.
0: More is not
1: better, right? Exactly. And it's almost like I felt, it was subconscious, but hindsight is twenty twenty, huh? Mm-hmm. But
0: I, I but really it's think... nice. You see that weight drop yeah. and you're like, Oh, I'll just do another five day or another. Well, and
1: I was doing so well. And I was like, I, how, how well can I do if I do this long of a fast and mm-hmm. yeah, I was fasting comfortably, but then I got sloppy. Yeah. So don't do what Stephanie
0: did. Cause she would not no. do it again. She Listen,
1: You know, to refer to Cole (laughs) Robinson, again, something that he refers to as yo-yo fasting Mm. is like what I said, you know, yo-yo fasting. Yeah, you do these great big fasts, but then you bomb your refeed and lose control for nine days. And instead he pointed out until you can master 20 back to back shorter fasts with appropriate refeeds, just don't even talk to him about your longer fast, because that's just it. Anybody can prove a and fast for a month anybody but until you can do the consecutive be consistent
0: keep the discipline control the food yes yes
1: Yes. yeah it has to be a balance or else you're going to end up sinking
0: yeah that's a good point and it's such a it's so hard on your psyche too because I did Mm -hmm. that my first year I would like binge fast the more I binge the more I fasted and it was so unhealthy and it made me feel terrible and I would like yo-yo back and forth till I got hold of my refeeds and learning how to control food and using food as fuel thinking yes. of, it, of course enjoying my meal when i'm eating it i'm not just like okay fuel. but you're not chasing down the yeah, next not meal. Like, oh, god i gotta eat everything outside or i'm sitting on the couch watching tv i gotta stuff my fa- face with chips or drink wine or whatever it is being able to, and it doesn't t- happen overnight. This took, this journey took me a long time, like over mm-hmm. a year. So it, it is relearning those habits we have created over years because the binge eating, you binge eat, you emotionally eat for there's reasons why we do this. And you have to. And today
1: in- I'm going to toot my own horn loud and proud. Today <laughs> is one month binge free.
0: Yay, good job. That's awesome. yeah.
1: That's and great. you know, just to I wanted to touch on the binge eating too. I know one question people will often have when I talk about binge eating, and fasting is their fear is that fasting will actually enhance binge eating. But I can say from my experience, fasting actually helps to cure my binge eating and my urges to binge because instead of just losing control one meal after another. I know I'm not chasing down my next meal, but I know when it's going to be. And I know that I don't have to put super crazy, strict guidelines on it. I just need to fuel my body appropriately. And if that includes something of a sweet nature, so be it, Mm -hmm. but then close the window and move on from it. And so I'm learning to stop vilifying food and vilifying ingredients, but As far as binge eating, it genuinely is creating a sense of food freedom and curing the desire to binge in the first place.
0: Yeah, that's great. I actually did a podcast on this a little while back. I can't remember which episode, but I'll link it below. Binging, binge eating versus overindulgence, because there's a lot of confusion with those two. Binge eating is actually psychological disorder. Yes, if you do have it, you have to talk to your doctor. And in order to be classified, I think, as a binge eater, you have to have one binge a week for, I want to say, either three or six months period of time. So one binge every week for three to six month period of time. So. It's very important to distinguish those two, because there are people out there that legit have a psychological disorder with binge eating. And it's just like anorexia, bulimia, and stuff like that. You do need help. But just in general, we're just binge eating because we're used to doing it. And that was me. I don't think I had like a psychological disorder, but I just used it as a comfort thing. And you have to no distinguish between those two that's important to it's it's understand. really
1: true and people who are genuinely binge eaters and have the addictions they will know <laughs> what it's like to go on a complete bender mm-hmm. not just a day of going silly but like yeah. you know it's like when an alcoholic loses a week of their life they don't even know what the hell happened with the food you know it becomes so obscene that no logical when you look back at it, it just seems like there's no logical way that happened, Mm -hmm. but it does. And it did. And it happens so often. I'll tell you what's been helping though, is the Catherine Hansen's book brain over binge.
0: Oh yeah. I have read that book. Yeah. That's a
1: good book. Yes. It's a great approach. And I'll tell you an Instagram account at Mary, she's a coach and her account is keto, Mary 71. And she is a food addiction and recovery coach. And she talks about the difference between people who need to be abstainers mm-hmm. versus people who are moderators. And I can say definitively, I am not somebody who can ever be a moderator with foods, which is why I get a little bit triggered when you have old school thought approaches and people say, well, there's no such thing as good food and bad food. You just have to eat it in moderation for a binge eater or for an mm-hmm. abstainer that yeah. literally can't happen.
0: Yeah. Ever. Try sugar, Try, just take a bunch of candy and you're like, oh yeah, you can control it. Like I can't, no, I, I stay away from it because sugar but is- there
1: seems to be such a misconception mm-hmm. on what being an abstainer means and people yeah. seem to think it's something that you can cure instead of embracing and accepting that it yeah. is who you are yeah and that actually fasting can help cure it because you're not constantly opening up the trash can and entering junk
0: well 72 up for me at least when i'm been on like a bad eating whatever binge eating bad eating like chocolate or even drinking 72 hour fast completely gets rid of my like cravings for those foods or alcohol or wine whatever it is like it's gone like it actually helps to balance the chemicals in your brain your dopamine serotonin it's those foods that take it out of balance it's not yeah it's another topic we could go into but (laughs) it's Yeah, that's great. Thanks for suggesting that IG and I'll link it in here as well. With losing so much weight, can you talk about loose skin issues? Have you had surgery, something that you would ever consider if so? Yeah,
1: yes. (laughs) (laughs) I recall when I first started losing weight and somebody asked me, are you going to have a breast reduction? And I laughed and I said, no. <laughs> and I was so proud of my large bosom. And I said, I will never do that. And then, <laughs> but then I lost a hundred and some pounds. And actually the way skin removal surgery came up and came about, I mentioned earlier, I had a tumor and I had surgery to have that removed from my face. Mm-hmm. So I had a follow-up appointment with my skin plastic surgeon regarding the scarring because I had some issues with the scar and so while I was at that appointment I said oh by the way I've lost over 100 pounds and since I'm here and so I mentioned it to him and he said pull down your pants <laughs> and <laughs> Let so me I showed him <laughs> yeah and so I did I pulled down my pants and he sort of like looked around at my panace my apron belly and he <laughs> said yeah that's gonna need to go and I said I remember asking him how much more do you think I need to lose and maintain lost in order for that to be completely just like creepy tissue skin empty? And he said, it'll never happen. Because mm-hmm. when you have been obese your whole life, and your skin expands to such an extent, there will always remain a certain amount of fatty tissue attached to the skin, because it acts as a blood supply to that skin. So for any ladies, especially women, I find no, honestly, men too. anyone who has lost a crazy amount, Mm -hmm. but you find your apron belly is very pendulous. And still you think, well, I still have fat attached to it. So I need to keep going, or I need to boost autophagy. So that goes away. I'm here to say that no amount of autophagy is going to get rid of that sort of fatty skin issue. Mm -hmm. And I found it fascinating when he explained that it acts as a blood supply to that skin. So he said, yeah, let's, let's meet again in six months and we will see where you're at and we'll start the process to get insurance to cover that if they will. Mm -hmm. And so shortly after that, I started to have problems with my breasts So now I know all the ladies joke, you know, why is it always the first place we lose weight? (laughs) Yeah, my (laughs) boobs. (laughs) Yeah, like for all the women and men listening, this may impress you. But when I started keto in 2017, I was wearing a 44 to a 48 J cup. (laughs) (laughs) And it was very difficult for exercise. Mm -hmm. But after I lost almost 150 pounds, there was virtually no breast tissue left, and I started to have really strange connective tissue problems and neuropathy pain. So you name it. In your breast. Yep, down the um, oh. in the breast tissue and to the side. So imagine if you put your hands at your armpits and then moved it down to where a bra band would be
0: hmm. in about
1: that area it was excruciating, like terribly excruciating pain every single day. Is that and from so, like the skin, like loose skin? Well, they weren't the sure. They they didn't know at first and they did a mammogram and they said, Oh, you have transparent breasts (laughs) because I had no breast fat or tissue left. And then I tried physiotherapy. I had an ultrasound. I saw a breast specialist who works with cancer patients. Basically what it came down to is they determined that because of the weight loss, but the excess skin hanging and The fact that my middle spare tire belly was gone my breasts no longer had a shelf and the pendulous weight of the skin Uh and whatever was left of the tissue was pulling and causing neuropathy and connective tissue pain and they said basically until you have surgery it's not going to stop so then that became more important than the belly so i had a breast reconstructive surgery so loose skin reduction and reconstruction. So kind of like when a woman has had a mastectomy Mm -hmm. and then they rebuild a breast, that's kind of the extent of repair I had done in March break of 2019. January 17th, just within this past year, I had a skin removal. So not a tummy tuck per Mm se, a paniculectomy. They removed the apron belly, they did do muscle repair. So I had quite a gap three inches in my diastasis recti repaired Mm -hmm. and a new belly button. And so I'm almost at my one year post-op and I had to take a year off of core abdominal exercises and heavyweight lifting. So that plus COVID plus, yeah. (laughs) So we're working (laughs) to get my body back to where I had been with strength but so as far as skin removal, yeah, I had the breast surgery and separately, the only reason I had to have them separately, aside from insurance, was because I was on a blood thinner and had a history of blood clots, I was too high risk to be under the knife for that long.
0: Okay.
1: So they were two separate surgeries. And the only plans for surgery in the future is not in the OR, but just in the clinic. There's a couple of revisions he needs to do. Other than that, I do not want to have more surgeries because recovery is brutal. I'm sure. But if you do not have a pendulous hanging belly or like pain or issues, if it's cosmetic and you want to do it, I say, go for it. But if you think you have to, you don't, you can tuck it into compression pants. Recovery is difficult. Make sure you realize that before you jump the gun. Yeah. And for anyone who says to you just fast, autophagy will take care of it. okay, But they're not talking someone who was for yeah. 30 years obese. Mm-hmm. It just yeah, doesn't it can't work that way. You have yeah. too much to, if I did autophagy for the next 90 years, well, I'm not going to live to be that old.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the thing is like, there's a reasonable amount. Like if you've lost over a hundred pounds, clearly you're going to have a lot of loose skin. If you lost 50 pounds, you might be okay. Some of that stuff will spring back. You know, the longer you stay lean, the more it will tighten up. But if you've lost, you know, if you have skin hanging where you can pick it up and it's like hanging down your belly, fasting is magical, but it's not that magical. Right.
1: right. Well, that's just it. I mean, I noticed like when I get back down to my preferred body composition, People will remark about my arms and my legs, but they didn't always look as lean or toned. So I mean, yeah, I do have, you know, excess skin under my arms, but not like it could be. And I do know that fasting helps with that kind of stuff. But no, when you have, like you said, a belly that covers your private spots when you stand up because it's hanging that low,
0: no amount of fasting is
1: going to shrink that.
0: It becomes like a health issue too, like infection, like you said, skin breaking down. No, so you did touch on this a little bit about your workout routine. What are you, so you're back to doing anything like you're able to do abdominal exercises. It's yeah. been, well, almost a year, right? In March.
1: Yeah. So I've just been easing back into it.
0: We what's your current workout routine. What do you, what's yeah, your style? So what you
1: basically what I'm looking at doing right now is so Monday of this week was upper body strength day. hmm Tuesday, I don't go to the gym because I take my kids to all kinds of activities. So it's kind of my busy day. Wednesday is cardio. And by cardio, I don't mean a treadmill, I mean a boot camp style class. So, you know, you're being small group, personal training style coach. There's hand weights and kettlebells involved, but you're getting your heart rate up. And then Thursday, today is going to be lower body strength day. So things like deadlifts and barbell weighted squats and so heavy lifting. And then Friday is, try not to sneeze, (laughs) Friday (laughs) is speed weights, so lower weights, higher repetition. So it's like a combination between lifting and cardio. Okay. Saturday is another weights and cardio day. So two days of heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. And every other day it's either cardio and weights or weights. But otherwise at the YMCA, I'm working towards my AquaFit certification and my Drums Alive certification. So I do like to swim and I like to do Zumba and stuff like that too.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Would you ever consider doing weight loss coaching is that something you would ever
1: I keep thinking oh. about it. I've thought about it on and off. I've thought about nutritional therapy practitioner, I've thought about keto coaching, I've thought about fasted coaching, I've thought about all of it. I'm trying to get my shit sorted, pardon my swearing. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I feel it's like allowed. I can <laughs> until I get into a place where I feel like I have not only been in maintenance but succeeding at maintenance. I feel like the focus just needs to be on my journey. Still. I've just gone, like I just said, I've gone through two full years of recovery. My children, I mean, I have one is not in kindergarten until this next coming fall. Once they're both in school, my day will look different. I'm currently a stay at home mom since I've been out of work in 2017 when I had the blood clots. Mm -hmm. So I'm focused on raising my children right now, but I love the idea
0: of it. You'll know when you're ready, you know. Yeah, definitely. Because I, like for me, like I have a full-time job. I have a busy life, full-time job. (laughs) And so this coaching stuff kind of came out of passion. It was just something that just kind of happened. It wasn't something I was seeking, but because I was so passionate about it and something that I went through, it was easy for me to coach people. And I did a lot of it for free initially because I just enjoyed it so much. And then it came into, you know, things evolved and stuff like that. So you'll know, you definitely would, you have such an inspiring story. You went through this yourself. You've experienced like This is not just like six month thing. This is years of learning and experience. So yes, I think you'll be, you'll be amazing at it, but you'll know when you're just ready, you'll know like, this is, this is what I want to do or life coaching or exercise, whatever it is. I think it'll be amazing. So awesome. What I asked this, all of my people that are interviewed, what three things you wish you had known earlier, anything related to weight loss, relationships, health, anything you, Want to talk about? Just like a lesson learned, or something that you wish you have known.
1: Well, when it comes to food, <laughs> you need to think outside the box and let go of everything you knew and start with a clean slate. Literally, and I know that's kind of vague, but I guess like you know, people can apply that where they see fit in their life, because everyone has different strongholds as to what they grew up believing was appropriate and not appropriate to eat. One example for me, you know, when somebody was making spaghetti and frying up ground beef, it's almost like I was raised in the mentality that ground beef was kind of junk meat and it was going in the spaghetti and oh my gosh, you don't you don't just eat that on its own and get your fingers tapped for reaching some into the pan. As far as fasting. One thing I wish I knew was that you weren't going to (laughs) die if you didn't eat. And that salt wasn't going to make you balloon up like the stay puffed marshmallow man.
0: People are so afraid of salt. I know. So I wish I
1: knew the benefits of salt. Because I'm I'm sure I probably could have fasted many more times in my life than I did if I wasn't lacking salt probably. And then just, you know, in life in general, what I wish I both knew sooner and had been implementing sooner was that it's okay for your answer to be no. Mm -hmm. You don't owe anybody explanations. You don't have to do things their way. It's okay to put boundaries down, even if it offends people. I don't have the power to offend you. If you take offense, you took the offense. Mm-hmm. So ultimately it's okay to do me and to say, nope, I'm not doing that. And Just that it doesn't no. matter.
0: Say no, don't be a people pleaser. Yes, yeah. that's huge. Yeah, those are great. I love that. There were a few questions that people ask on Instagram. One of them was, how did your environment react to your transformation, positive or negative? And how did you react to negativity if there was any with your transformation or fasting?
1: I don't know if it's that I am naive or oblivious to negativity, or if I'm just one of the fortunate people who has been surrounded by positivity with my journey. I don't know. Sometimes I think I'm naive and it, or I just don't let that (laughs) stuff filter through, but I've really had such good support. And, you know, a lot of people lose friends or they get flack from their family. But I've had my in-laws try to accommodate me even through my celiac journey, buying separate butter containers for me to have butter on my food. So it wasn't contaminated with gluten and my mother saving me drippings from her turkey so I could make my own keto xanthan gum gravy. And like, literally, I have been supported and encouraged and because i've lived my life so out loud with this journey online there's very few people who have genuinely been caught by surprise by the before and after effect because they've sort of seen it unfold in front of their eyes the few people who maybe hadn't seen it happening and saw it were just like kind of baffled by it but for the most part it's been well received like everything from my doctors to my family to the online
0: community, gym
1: community.
0: How did that start? Can you go into that? That was something I'm glad you mentioned is how did that start your Instagram? I mean, you have a lot of followers on there. When and how did this start? Like you because I didn't when I was losing weight, I didn't think I was gonna post on Instagram. But I was like, okay, I need to just do it for myself. And then you know, people just kind of we loved it. And my story was inspiring. So I'm sure you have a story. So tell me I how do. Yeah. I have
1: a story. And ironically, it actually stems from fasting. Wow. So ironically, <laughs> it's too like, it literally is so true. So I did have my Instagram account. And initially, I would post on it once every few months of my kids, I just, I didn't really know much about Instagram, I fire pictures of my kids up And that's fine. And then when I started eating healthy, every now and then I post picture food. And I remember in the beginning, a lot of my hashtags would say things like paleo ish, (laughs) low carb eating. And it's like, I resisted so long to use words like keto or fasting and I just didn't. And so I was a member of a local Facebook group for keto. And then quickly I was asked if I would be the admin and help run it no problem. So I helped build the group from about 200 people to over 2000 people. And that was fine. And I was active in the group and I was active as an admin admittedly anybody local who is listening to this, I will say yes, 100% full disclosure. I've learned a lot since then. And I was much more like keto police in the beginning and pissed people off and said, no ingredients matter. And I just made a lot of people angry about that. (laughs) (laughs) And then I started to get more heavily into fasting and did my first 120 hour fast and did my first seven day fast and was fasting. I was talking about fasting and I was talking about autophagy and the owner of the group messaged me and said, look, you're confusing a lot of the newbies. Can you back off on the fasting stuff? I said, sure. But then I butted heads with some other people and it just got to the point where I said, you know, I shouldn't feel like I need to filter what I'm posting. It's my story. It's my journey. And if people are confused, they can ask me questions and so my page on Facebook, Stephanie's Path to Health and Wellness, which is now tied to my Instagram page, and they're both Stephalopagus was born out of almost a, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> I, got t- I got tired of being told, you're confusing people. I'm going to do all my thing. fasting stuff. Yeah. And so I said, you know what, that's fine. It's true. It's fair. This is a keto group. And what I'm talking about is a lot of stuff that is supplementary to keto, but actually had nothing to do with keto. And so I said, I finally just kind of sucked it up. And I said, she's right. So I'm going to start my own page. And then that way I'm not moderating a group. I don't need to moderate discussions. I don't need to approve or deny posts. I just tell my story as it is, whatever I'm up to, when I keep flip-flopping and changing ideas and changing approaches And then eventually I felt like it was time to move on from the group because it didn't serve me. And I felt like I had, I don't know, turned some people off by what I was doing. And so anyone from the group who wanted to follow me did. And I tried to rejoin the group like a year later and I was denied. So I said, okay, that was just meant to be. (laughs) Yeah. So that, and again, it just came back to like what I said, you know, tip number three, learning to say no and learning that it doesn't matter what other people think It bothered me at first. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just doing my own thing. And if they don't want me over there, that's fine. I want to be there if they don't want to be there. (laughs) And that group was and continues to serve a different purpose. Mm -hmm. And my story tells my story. So that's how my page started because I did not get the boot, but I felt like I was given the proverbial boot for talking off track of keto too much.
0: Instagram is, is your primary and I'll link that in here. So Instagram yeah. and your Facebook page, I'll link both of those. Your Instagram is just so inspiring. Just like looking Thank at you. your pictures, like before and after. So it's just like, whoa, like it's mind blowing. You, you look like a completely different person. You look so much younger and I'm sure I know you feel amazing. You feel so much better. And it's I mean, there's
1: one thing terrible. to look younger. I feel mm. more youthful most days
0: than I did in my twenties. It's incredible. And I do like, I was one of those people I worked in the medical field and I'm like, Oh, I don't want my patients to see me. I'm like half naked, basically (laughs) posting my fat ass pictures and my, but it's like once people started responding to it and I was like, you know what, if it inspires one person, I'm going to do it because that's what helped me get through my weight loss
1: just skin
0: yeah I mean like I said you you don't have the power
1: to offend me any more than I don't have the power to offend you if my skin offends somebody they
0: don't need to follow me overcome that fear of judgment who cares what people think you're doing it for you and I do I mean I have people that are like even afraid to take their first pictures and I will not coach anyone if they don't send me their pictures because that is the first step to transformation it's taking those pictures actually owning up looking at yourself because I know when I did that when I took my first pictures and I looked at myself I was like holy what is this?" like I actually was shocked because I never looked at myself in the mirror like that. And it was enlightening. It really, I think for me, to be honest, I really do think that that was really what started my transformation, like just owning up to myself and not being in denial, just like this is me. So
1: if you don't tell. Yeah. And like you said, those starting pictures, my first front and side pictures in that we'll call it quote dress a lot of people (laughs) thought it was a bathing suit when they first saw the photo but that starting photo who would have known that it would become so famous it would be on women's world magazine but people see the photo in that dress and they say i remember that dress from three years ago
0: it's incredible but i
1: just took the picture and said here we go
0: (laughs) it's amazing i love it so definitely follow stephanie uh, on her Instagram last few questions what are you grateful for in your life
1: being alive my beautiful healthy children mm-hmm. you know the little
0: things yeah
1: yeah you know just living near my parents not having COVID <laughs> yes having a roof over my head, coffee in my belly. No, you've really asked a lot and you've covered a lot. And I just want to say from my own mouth, because I know you've said you'll link my accounts, but I just want to say to your listeners, reach out to me. You know, if you're afraid to get started and you identify yourself in my starting pictures, talk to me. Like nothing is too personal. I'm here. No, I'm not charging people to coach you and I'm not going to coach you, but I go out of my way to make sure I respond to everyone who messages me, you know, because the way I see it, if I have a public account and somebody takes influence from it and my account is public, then I feel a responsibility to acknowledge people who
0: reach out to me on those accounts. I just, I want to acknowledge you for starting this journey three years ago, especially, and continuing despite ups and downs in your life and continuing to inspire people because You probably don't even have an idea how many people you inspire out there. How many people? I don't
1: think any of us really can know that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of silent people. I will have people message me and say, I've been following you for two years. I just wanted to let you know I completed my first fast. And I'm so excited for them. I've never met them. They feel like they know me Mm -hmm. because they've been following me. But it's their first time interacting on social media. And I'm so proud of them.
0: And you—you you never know who you're gonna inspire. Thank you so much for doing what you do for inspiring others. Thank you for chatting today. Monica, you have been
1: remarkably inspiring. And I know you know that, but I hope you know that. <laughs> well,
0: thank you. And I, I'm so glad that we were able to connect and become friends. Yeah. And I look forward to maybe catching up on our journey again sometime this year. and Definitely. Because I do think that people will have more questions. And you're such a valuable source of information and just experience. And I love that because you're so relatable. You just true to yourself. You're relatable and I love your journey. I'm inspired. So thank you for being thank inspired you. by me. And I'm so glad that I came it's across. Mutual. your journey. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> thank you for your time, Stephanie. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share it on your social media, and be sure to leave a review on iTunes. Follow Monica on Instagram
1: at fit.fat.hotaf and on Twitter at fitfathotaf.